Hey, Urban Farm Podcast listeners. If you're as passionate about preserving the bounty of each season as we are, hey, I canned my first peaches at the age of 18, and that was a long time ago, then you're going to love what our friends over at Denali Canning have in store for you. They're on a mission to spread the love and knowledge of food preservation, and they're inviting you to join the journey for free. Right now, Denali Canning is offering free canning lids to anyone who wants to dive deeper into the world of food preservation. Yes, you heard that right, absolutely free. It's the perfect opportunity for both seasoned canners and those curious about starting. Denali is about quality, reliability, and supporting the canning community, ensuring that you get the best results every time you preserve. So why not give it a try? Visit DenaliCanning.com forward slash free to claim your free lids and start your preserving adventures today. That's DenaliCanning.com forward slash free. Do you want to save money at the grocery store, eat more organic, whole foods, cultivate food security, and feel more connected to the earth? If so, then growing your own food is a no-brainer. You wouldn't believe how many people come to me claiming that they can't grow their own food. They think they don't have enough space, that they're too busy, or that they simply don't have what it takes. Perhaps you've fallen for one of these gardening myths. If you think you can't grow food, or if you think the only food that you have access to is what you buy in the grocery store, I have a life-changing webinar that you need to see. It's free and will help you unearth your inner gardener. I've helped thousands of people just like you learn to grow their own food, and I'm speaking from my own experience when I say that with the right knowledge in place, there is no such thing as a black thumb. With this webinar, you can begin making your garden dreams come true and start growing delicious, nutritious food for your family. Just text GARDEN to 44222 or go to IWantToGarden.com and you will receive our free webinar about the seven key factors you need to know to grow your own food. Remember, that's GARDEN to 44222 or IWantToGarden.com. You're listening to the Urban Farm Podcast, your partner in the grow your own food revolution. Whether you've just been introduced to urban farming or you're a lifelong advocate, we're sure you'll leave feeling more informed, equipped, and empowered to dig deeper into the soil of your local food economy. With you every step of the way, here's your host, Greg Peterson. Today on the Urban Farm Podcast, we have Colin Walker to talk about gardening in New Zealand with ecology at its heart. Colin grew up in a rural community near Auckland, New Zealand, and learned the basics of growing by helping his grandfather maintain a small flower market garden. Initially, he went to college to study economics. However, after some course changes, he turned his interest a little closer to his roots. He got involved in and has had leadership roles in several areas of natural agriculture, including establishing the Permaculture Institute of New Zealand, taking on advisory and advocacy roles for seed preservation with independent and government organizations, and even served as a natural coordinator of a national organic advisory program. Collins' concentrations have been on permaculture, 
ecology center design, seed preservation, conservation of traditional and heirloom food plants, garden education, and most recently investigating from an ecology perspective the essential elements needed to guarantee that the food we grow is actually nutrient-dense. Welcome to the show today, Colin. It's great to be here, Greg. I shared a bit about you in your bio. Can you fill in the blanks for us and share more about the path you took to get where you're at now? Yeah, that's fine, Greg. Look, it all started for me when I was running around as a child. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's uh, and in fact, you know, it's hard to work out the memories from what it was, but my grandfather had been a market gardener his whole life. Wow. And 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 as that's and that meant he started in the 1930s, and he retired, but he never retired. So he set uh-huh. up a flower garden in his retire, and he decided that he would just grow flowers for something to do, and because he wanted people to have uh, something nice in their life. Uh huh. So I started pottering around. Who knows quite exactly the detail, but. Uh, as he got older, his health started to deteriorate, and it ended up round about, I think, 11, 12. Uh, I found myself running this uh, half acre of flower gardens. Oh, nice. Yeah, different. And so, yeah. So, see, I'm actually a flower child of the 60s. Uh-huh. <laughs> but, a real, but a real one. All right, exactly. <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, and then that, that, that started it all, and then I went on and studied and all of that and went on and but then I later on I came back to it and it's been part of me since my 20s yeah so as I say how long have you got to share the story of uh, 50 years of gardening right right well what I'm most curious about is your plug into permaculture because you actually knew Bill Mollison I believe from our from our past conversation and uh, you know you, you actually took a class with him no not with Bill okay. uh, this is early days. We were actually in the uh, mid-80s. Uh-huh. And, and there was a group of people who had this idea called permaculture, and they were looking to spread it around the world. Mm-hmm. And because New Zealand's not that far away, they sent some people over. So Max was the person that I worked with, one of oh, the yes. people who been involved in permaculture a long time. But he was actually it was one of, he was one of the first people that Bill trained to be a teacher. Uh-huh. So he sent, us to New, he sent him to New Zealand to practice on us. So Max came over and, and actually, you see, we, we wondered what it was. Like no one had heard the phrase permaculture. It was completely new. And at the time, I was actually working on a project where we were uh, helping schools set up gardens. So there were six primary schools in Auckland where I was actually teaching children how to garden. Oh, wow. And this was, and, in, the, this was in the 80s? Yeah, uh, mid-80s. Uh-huh. Yeah, so I was working with children and... We were actually planting trees, fruit trees, and we were also putting in gardens actually in schools. Mm-hmm. And I worked with six schools doing that. And through that, I was actually, someone said, oh, look, there's this thing called permaculture, and maybe you might be interested. And the, the beauty of it was they actually said, oh, and you can do it on work time. So it was part of my learning. So I had the opportunity, and I was actually only in my mid-20s at the time. Right. And so I went along to this thing, and I'd never even heard the word. I thought, oh, this sounds interesting, and I get two weeks off work. Uh, to do it, and I went in there, and I discovered this whole world of what is permaculture. Nice. So, what is permaculture to you? It's always evolving, because what happened after that meeting, Bill Mollison then actually did come and visit New Zealand, and we set up a tour for him to tour around, Mm -hmm. talking at universities, at halls, and different events, so that's when I actually got to meet Bill, and was through that time of that tour 
and yeah, it was a, it was really fun to listen to him talking to groups, talking to people, and hear his story. Mm-hmm. And I was young, and it it really affected my way of thinking. Yeah, yeah, and well, can definitely do that. I like to call permaculture the art and science of working in with uh, working with nature. Uh, do you have a uh, do you have something like that that you share with people when they ask? Oh yeah, I have exactly the same uh, phrase. Uh, but Bill did add common sense to that. Oh yes, <laughs> definitely want to add common sense to that. And we live in a world now where, you know, that was it's amazing because that world was pre-internet. Right. Uh, you wrote a book. It was like it was a, it was such a different world, and I reflect now on how everything's shifted. And how in one way we can get ideas out to a lot more people more easily. Right. At the same time, it's easy for it to just be words on a screen. And Mm. what's behind it is a lot more than that. See, even by the time Bill had got to us in the uh, mid-80s, he'd he'd spent his life a a decade working with environmental issues in Australia, looking after municipals and disease and various issues in their environment, conservation work. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. he spent a year in an institution uh, as a. He actually studied in uh, ecology and different aspects of it. Yeah, it was like he already had a full life. And I'll, I'll tell you a little story about what he did in a uh, university lecture hall. Uh-huh. He would he walked in, you know, a couple of hundred students there, and he said, "Oh, anyone here interested to know what permaculture is?" And you know, you know, sort of they, they sort of look expectantly, and he says, "Well, I've actually got the news that it's a." It's just actually common sense. And I'm mm. afraid you've either got it or you haven't got it. Uh, so there's nothing, and so there's nothing for me to say, and he walks off the stage. Oh, my gosh. That absolutely 100% sounds like Bill Mollison. Because he was looking to shock people. Yeah. And then he said it's fun to see what happens as to whether they actually decide. And he stands on the side, and then ultimately, and in this case, someone actually asked him a question to the side, and then he says, oh, let's have a discussion. <laughs> so then he All came right. back, yeah. And then he came back and he had an hour discussion, not a lecture. Nice. I've always known Bill. Now, I never met him personally, but I always knew Bill to have an edge to him. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and he was he was fun. Okay, yeah. and like we should really, it's to me, you know, he's recently passed, uh, passed over. He died. Mm-hmm. As I think people may probably, with the internet, everyone would probably be involved in permaculture would understand that. Yeah. So, yeah, it's a time to reflect and actually honor him for what he did. And also, we need to look at where we go now. Right. Because the world, the person he was, the world he lived in, actually doesn't really exist anymore. Mm-hmm. And That's a really it's good like, way of looking at it. Yeah, because things keep changing. Because, you see, behind his word permaculture, in those early days, he talked about ecology. Mm-hmm. All right, And what that meant to him. And I think, in some ways, we've lost... Uh, touch with some of these fundamental concepts behind because it's easy to have this word permaculture Mm -hmm. but what does it really mean and what does it mean to people and so yeah over the years I've explored many ways and I've come and gone within the permaculture family you could say right because yeah sometimes people get caught up with the words and not what we're really talking about yeah yeah so I don't know if that's your experience in America but it's been mine in New Zealand yeah, the, especially given that the, the word permaculture is based in an English, uh, you know, in English, they're made yes. up of permanent in agriculture, permanent culture, 
people have a preconceived notion that gets in their way about what permaculture is often, yeah. not always, but often, uh, you know, yeah. I, I, I would have thought that if you would have called it something like feng shui, which is, you know, so totally outside of the understanding of, you know, of the English language that, uh, you know, he might have had a better chance at getting people to understand it. Yeah. So that's actually been a challenge that we've been looking at is how to get people to understand the principles because they're universal. Right. All right. And how we actually get them to get through and take it out of being just another buzzword, mm -hmm. another soundbite. So, right. yeah, you, you'll see in my I talked to, you know, about gardening and we haven't actually got down to the practical bit yet because that's what I'm really always interested in is the practicalities of gardening right. and food. But, yeah, and I put with ecology at the heart. Yeah. Because I'm, I've actually tried to take it back to ecology. Right. And that's what it really means. So if you like, I can just give you a little uh, sense of, because you, you introduced about the art and science. So you see, with ecology, uh -huh. it can give you a way of viewing the world. It can give you a philosophy. Right. It can give you a framework. It can give you the science. Mm -hmm. And it can give you a way of how it all feels together. And it can give you the art. It can give you the ability to compose, create music, okay? Mm. All right. So it's another word. So it actually, in the word and what it means, you can actually embody all of those three things. Mm -hmm. And so I've actually come to use the word ecology as a fundamental word to reach people. But again, we have to be careful because there's lots of meanings out there in oh, today's yeah. world. Yeah, exactly. You know, I, I've been recently looking on dictionary meanings, and I find you know, that every dictionary has a different meaning for a word today in our English language. Oh, interesting. I didn't even think about that. Yeah. Ecology. And in fact, it comes down to the fact that you might as well create your own dictionary. <laughs> well, I guess that's what we do to a yes, certain that's extent. What so I've decided to actively get involved in that. So we've been actually creating our own definition of words, because if we do, then we talk the same language, because... What I've experienced so much over the years is you can have a conversation with one someone, but they actually have different meanings to those words, mm -hmm. and right. you actually aren't actually communicating at all. So if we can first get to at least agree what we're what we're talking about and what it means, then at least we can have a conversation that can go somewhere. Right. So I know a question for you: Do you have a, an idea of the meaning of ecology? What, what if I say that word? What does that mean to you? Oh my gosh! I was just going to ask you the exact same question ecology so where where does one start in defining the word ecology i mean it, it an ecological system is a system of of natural interactions inside of that system of natural interactions or nature's interactions there are different ecological pieces uh, so let's talk about a the ecology of a of a small fish pond and I usually put out there also the carrying capacity of that particular fish pond. So if we had, you know, a 10 meter wide fish pond or 10 meter diameter fish pond and, you know, it held a thousand algae and a hundred snails and 10 fish, that would be the carrying capacity or the, you know, the ecological base for that pond. Yeah, um, totally. Yeah. And, you know, and I just spoke for a minute and a half. And do you have any idea what I mean by ecology? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're, you're talking about bits of it. Uh, I'll try and give you a, a simpler version that I've come up with. Mm -hmm. 
and see what you think of that. Okay. So ecology is actually the world we live in. It's mm. all the living creatures in it. All, and it's everything from the microscopic to the mammals, the the elephants of the world. Okay. And it's the physical world. So it is all those parts. And the key thing about ecology is that it's in one place. Every place on the earth has a different ecology. Mm. There's no two places the same. Right. You're even talking like five feet out my door and 10 feet out my door, right? Correct. Yeah. Okay. So it makes us aware that we live in this incredibly diverse, dynamic world. Mm -hmm. All right? Right. Now, but the key to ecology is that it's about the connections. It's how things are connected. Mm. Oh, yes, of course. How they're influenced and how they're affected by other things. So it means that you focus your attention not on the object, but on the relationships. Mm. And I've found that as a very good way to view gardening. Well, it makes because, perfect sense. That's what we talk about in permaculture. It's, you know, how to... Yeah. Well, Bill was an ecologist. Right. And he was just trying to find a new word that could try and bring through those principles. Mm. I wonder today if he might even just call it, uh, you know, something around ecology. Because mm. it, it actually, the meaning was in there. But at that time, ecology was in an academic framework. Right. And even today, and also today, people think of ecology as something out there. All right. But mm -hmm. the key word eco within ecology means it actually comes from the old Greek and it means your home. Oh. And so we we are fundamentally part of ecology. So the separation of home and natural world mm -hmm. is creates all these issues. So if we start to think that's why I've talked about ecology, it can give us this framework because it can give us a way of viewing the world, which we actually fundamentally see that we are working together and mm -hmm. we're all part of it. Okay. And it's easy to say these words. It's another thing to actually start to live it. Right. But it also gives us a science. It talks about how we can take each of the parts and we can study their relationships. Mm. So it's a framework of science. And then it gives us as humans our place in the uh -huh. framework. Right. All right. So we get down to us, but we're part of it. And you see, it's I, that's, I've talked to so many people over so many years and yeah, it's really important that we can actually start to take these ideas and actually live them. And yeah. and gardening is an incredible way to do that. So the the first thing is that your garden is an ecology, oh, and yes. you are part of it. Yeah. And from there, you can start to see how it all goes to fits together. So you you, you speak about ecology centered, and yes. the importance of of using that regarding food growing, and that that's kind of where we're leading to in this conversation now. So why is an ecology-centered view of growing food important? Well, ecology, has, as I just explained, gives us this view of the world and it allows us to break it up mm -hmm. and it allows us to put it back together again. And it gives us an actual structure that we can work with because you need to work because it's easy for people to always look for what's going on and in this world today mm -hmm. we have so much information out there greg okay oh yeah on every topic now with gardening what's happened is that someone gardens in a particular place and it works for them and then they go and share it with everyone else and say hey this worked for me why don't you do it uh-huh and the reality because with ecology we've just said that every place is different right so from an ecology perspective, you do not take anything that anyone says that worked for them for granted. <laughs> I take it. I tell okay. people that's the guidelines. Now go discover how to do it yourself. 
Correct. Okay. So it just by definition says we have to live with that. Mm -hmm. There's no escaping it. Okay. Mm -hmm. And that's why I work with it. So, and once you come down to your place, and I know you've been helping people and advising them for a long time, as, as I've been working in these ways as well. The first thing to do is when you walk into another person's place is you forget about your place. You forget about anything else. Right. You actually look at that garden. You learn about all the elements in the garden, which includes the gardener. Mm -hmm. Oh, yes. And then you see if you can help actually look, because what you're doing is you're looking at that ecology. You're looking at the relationships. Mm -hmm. And then you're seeing maybe you're identifying something that, you've, that they haven't noticed. Because often when you're in something, it's harder to see it. Of course. So the person coming in can actually sometimes see what's obvious from outside, but inside it you don't notice. So it, by that, it actually gives you a way of thinking and also a way of uh, learning and a way of assisting others to do it themselves. And over time, people can learn to do this themselves. And how does one bridge the gap or move from not doing it themselves to doing it themselves? Uh, it's a combination of things. The thing I love about ecology is that there's never one answer. <laughs> oh, that's the it there's, depends answer in permaculture. Yeah, it, it, or, there's, there's always something else affecting it. Okay, yeah. so there are a number of ways and things, again, depending on where a person is in their, what I call their gardener's journey. If you're new, then one way you can uh, accelerate the process is to stand alongside someone who already does it, the idea of mentoring or, or, or gaining from other experience. And you see, in the old days, in communities, that was a very real process. You knew, right. you know, like I, you had your grandfather or an uncle or someone down the road who you could go and learn by. Like I talk, I see this for myself now. I, I just feel I'm, I'm very uh, thankful that I was given that opportunity to just work alongside my grandfather. Right. Because, and you have to understand, he was not educated. He couldn't even read or write, but he could grow food and he could grow flowers. Yeah. And so on that, again, with words and that, you see, he taught me what he did by doing it. And that always stayed with me. In my 20s, I met a person who said that they were doing organic gardening. Uh -huh. and, I said, and I said, I've never heard the word. Hmm. What are you talking about? Yeah. And then they explained it. And I said, oh, but that's just gardening. And right. I then realized that my grandfather had remained a, tr a tr you know there was no word of organic in his vocabulary he was a traditional grower from the learned in the 1930s mm -hmm. and i sort of worked out reading between the lines he never believed the chemical salesman oh right okay so he stayed with what he knew and it worked so yeah so getting alongside someone but it's that's a bit more tricky but it can be you know we, we try to do this now we're, we're compensating for that because less and less in communities there are old gardeners who can pass that on right Really important to so, find them. Yeah, so if you can. See, I've had young people all over the world come to learn from me here. Mm -hmm. And the first thing I do is I say, do you know some old gardener in your local town that you just came from in America or in Europe? Okay. Find them. Find them. Yeah. Okay. And that's the thing I really just say, find them if you can. Now, unfortunately, the world is less, they are less and less there. There's also how we have to help people who can't find that. All right. So that's something that I've been looking at is, how we can try and pass some of that on without it actually being firsthand. And it's not easy, okay? Yeah. But I believe there are ways we can do it. And also, that experience that you've gathered, you know, people try to ask you, well, how do you do it? And it's hard to actually explain. You just go out and do it? You do it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, 
but we can. So that's why I came back to ecology to give a structure where if people go through the steps, they can begin the what I call the journey of the gardener. Mm-hmm. And given time, they'll get there. Because how can you be an, a grandfather gardener when you're in your 20s or 30s or 40s? Yeah. Well, I guess if you started when you're two, by the time you're 40, that could be early yeah. grandfather well, stage, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. But at least we can be a gardener by 12. Right. If we started to. Yeah. Earlier than that. Yeah. So, yeah. So the earlier we can start, people, the better. So. And that's the whole thing is just start and do it. Yeah. And there's all these expectations around growing or what you can do and all these reasons that people garden today. Uh-huh. Yeah, we've just, at the end of it, I just say, well, you've got to relax a little bit into this and just yeah. be a gardener. And people want results. They want the instant solution. Well, and can you please tell me any garden that can give you an instant, instant solution? solution? I know. I was on a, uh, on a radio show with a young man just two nights ago. And yep. that's, you know, he says, I don't want to wait for my vegetables. You know, what's the quickest thing I can get growing? And it's like, well, you can grow radishes in 30 days. but So, again, this world where you press a button on a computer right. and something happens in front of you, mm-hmm. that's the challenge. Is, and, again, it's not going to be easy for young people who that's their world. This, so, yeah, I don't know. Like people say, oh, you've got to make it accessible to them and easy. And I'm really doing everything I can to make gardening as easy and, and as accessible. accessible and as quick as possible. Amen to that. All right. Amen. However, we, but a garden is a garden. Right, exactly. You know, we can do these things and we can make it fast, but there's got to be a bit of give and take. And so, yeah, for those that want the instant solution, your food, yeah. You know, go is, to the grocery yeah. store? Well, yeah, I was gonna, exactly. I was going to say that you can go to the supermarket and buy that food. But, again, there are lessons to learn about the price you pay yeah. and what you get for that food you've just bought. Right. And so when I start to raise the issues, because the other thing about ecology, you know, we're part of it humans. So why are we even growing food? Well, there's lots of reasons today, but the fundamental, and it used to be for up until 100 years ago, absolutely, because if you didn't grow your food, you died. There was an imperative to be a gardener to grow food, to produce it as a human. And with that imperative gone, we now find lots of other reasons. So I just challenge anyone to go and, you know, see if they can survive with not going to the supermarket. Okay? Right, or Even not gardening. Or not gardening, okay. Now, we can get people through this journey of becoming gardeners, I believe, a lot faster because there's a lot of tools, there's a lot of techniques we can use. But mm-hmm. you've still got to be prepared to walk the path. Yeah. Well, I think that's the same with anything in life. I'm reading this I'm reading this new book now by John Lee Dumas called The Mastery Journal. And it's yes. how to, you know, basically how to become a master at discipline and getting stuff done in your life and first page of his book says, "Look, if you're looking for something easy, take this book back right now." So, we can make it easier. Yes. And the fascinating thing with gardening is that once you put the effort in at the beginning, the more effort you put at the beginning, the easier it gets over time. Yeah. Yeah. We can start with simple things. You know, like someone can just sprout a seed and eat the sprout. Okay. That's right. the, you know, if someone says exactly. they want the instant food, I don't even go to the radish. I just say sprout your seed and eat it. Right. That gives you an immediate feedback effect. Right. Well, and those are high, highly nutrient-dense sprouts that are sprouting. Indeed. There's a lot of nutrition in that seed and it starts to become available once it's sprouted Mm -hmm. 
So this whole thing of, yeah, we're eating food because we want the nutrition from it. Right. And if that's really our goal, and a lot of people have learned about that the food coming from the supermarkets doesn't have the nutrition, doesn't have the flavor. Like, I think that's fairly standard knowledge, I don't know, in America, but here, most people it have is. got it. Yeah, people are, that's the case. especially my listeners, they know that there's a, a, a nutritional density problem with the food we buy in the grocery stores. And the other term that we just recently learned is foodstuffs. S-T-U-F-F-S, F-F-S or yep. F-S? Okay. It's either one or two F's in it. I don't know. And okay. it's, you know, it's stuff that resembles food, essentially. <laughs> yeah, I know, well, right? It's got to that point now, hasn't it? It, it has. Yeah. It absolutely has. But if we're going to go back to the fact that we want nutrition, the other thing is that just because you try to do it organically or follow these other systems or approaches or you follow what someone else did, it doesn't guarantee in any way that you're actually going to get that much more nutrition in it. Oh, right. And you see, here's a story. You know, I talk this because, and from a little bit of experience, I, for our New Zealand, I was involved in a program which provided advice for commercial organic growers in the whole country. Mm -hmm. And we did some really fascinating research over about a decade that I was at, had access to of what was really going on. And yeah, it's... Uh, it's a bit tricky. You know, like I know people want to feel that organic is the answer. Yeah. But the way in which it is practiced and by people who have to make a livelihood, and I have nothing against them. I know right. I know the, the constraints that they're under to make a livelihood from growing food. Right. Okay. As soon as they have to make a livelihood from it, you are constrained. End of story. Right. And therefore, you make compromises, even if you don't want to. Many of the discussions I've had with a farmer about saying, I don't want to do this, but I have to, because if I don't, I can't actually feed my family. Hmm. So this whole focus of yeah, nutrition, organics, and you see, what I've done is I've studied things over a lot of time. The way my grandfather made me think about, well, he did these things. He didn't have this language, but it worked. Right. All right. And what was behind it? So I've spent years looking for all those gardeners from the before the 1940s. Mm -hmm. Oh, nice. Where I could, and where I could. So what I could learn from them, sort of, you know, my, my grandfather's peers. And there are little bits of traces of knowledge. And then I find things that back then, which I find on the Internet is the latest discovery. Because <laughs> yeah, it's made popular. And right. here was someone talking about it as though it was just basic common knowledge. Right. And... I've spent the last six years focused on researching this issue of nutrition in food. Yeah, I will be challenging some of what people have felt or yes. have accepted because Good. and I and up ten years ago I was just like everyone else. I took this for granted. And then I started to get involved and I looked deeper. And the deeper I got, the more concerned I got. And yeah. then I've I had to spend six years trying to completely rethink myself. And so what you're hearing now is, you know, <laughs> As you say, the garden, the journey of what you're doing and yeah, realizing as you go along that, you know, things aren't what they are and the mistakes you make. And so the way that I was gardening and like I was promoting, I was teaching people in the whole country, you know, right. all the, all the, how to do this. And I look at it now thinking, well, yeah, that was part of a story. But I, I can't actually now that I've realized the limitations, I can't keep doing that anymore. Oh, yes. Getting to the place of understanding deeply enough that what you've been doing doesn't work anymore. I've been there yeah. multiple times in my life. Yeah. It works so far and you achieve certain things. But again, what is your goal? What is your focus? And if, if that, you know, 
organics does a really good job on dealing with environmental toxins, okay? Right. No issue there. But the way it has developed commercially in the last 50 years, mm -hmm. there was an assumption that there was always going to be nutrition if you did it organically. But what is done in the name of organic and even certified organic, the, the rules and regulations allows you a tremendous amount of variety. Right. There's no limitation. And there is, right. or, and everyone assumed nutrition would be there. Okay. Right. Well, plus the challenge is, is that if, you know, somebody's growing something in Mexico and somebody's growing something in New Zealand and somebody's growing something in the U.S., the, the meaning of organic is different. Uh-oh. This is a whole conversation opening up about how, yeah. do, you how do you define organic? Yeah. yeah. Okay. So <laughs> let, let's not go there. Okay? Yeah, let's not go there. Let's not go there. In fact, it's, here, here's what I want to do at this point, because I do want to have you back to talk about growing nutrient-dense food. But I want to shift on you, and I want for you to talk about a time you failed, how you overcame that failure, and what you might have learned from it. Yeah. Again, it depends what you call a failure. So I actually considered that we failed in educating people correctly. But So that one there. Right. But, but also, uh, in my garden, I did have a failure the other day. Because I forgot to, I've been so busy working with putting up websites and all this other stuff that, you know, you, you, your focus, it's, it's gardens, right. you have to give it a focus, all right? Yeah. Okay, so I've been gardening all this time, but I knew it was autumn, I knew the food, I knew the, the rats, okay, that because we live in an environment where there are rats, okay, uh -huh. would right. be coming in. And I was so focused on other stuff, and of course, I had a beautiful crop of tomatoes and cucumbers sitting there. Yeah, we've been eating them for months, mm -hmm. but there was still another month's supply, and they said, thank you very much for that autumn food. <laughs> yeah. And again, the lesson for me is absolutely about a focus, and we, we live these busy lives in this world where we spend a lot of time doing things that aren't gardening. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, even for myself. You know, I just relearned my old lesson, which I tell everyone, and, and it's like you've got to be able to give it the attention it needs if you want it to be successful. Yeah. You can't just say it's a, it's a thing on the side. Right. So if you want to be a gardener, you want to grow this food, you know, that's the best you can, that's free of the toxins, That, and actually is also this thing about stress-free, that the way to create gardening so that it isn't stressful is actually learning how to do it really well. Right. All right, so yeah, I, I, I've been listening to the work you're doing. So yeah, so there's a simple one on, uh, yeah. But the, the, like I'm failing all the time. All right. Yeah. Because every time I get something wrong, and and but I I don't call it a failure, Greg. All right. I just call it another lesson in learning and realizing I have to shift focus in that. And right. I have to tell you that, you know, as I say, I could give you many many examples where I've discovered things, almost that turned out to be really positive because something didn't quite go to plan. Right. Yeah. Well, and that's, you know, that's our best way to learn. Yeah. Is so, when something but, doesn't go, you know, the way we have it planned. So what do you consider your biggest success? I think I've yet to achieve it. Oh, really? <laughs> well, yeah, because you can have lots of successes. I've, I've done enough things that you can classify as success in you know, mm -hmm. today's world. But to me, if you think you've had a, you know, to me, Success is something that you're trying to have every day. Right. So every time I can help a person to become a bit more of a gardener mm -hmm. and be a bit more successful, that's a success. 
And so I'm not looking. I'm actually not looking for the big success, Greg. Sorry, <laughs> it's that's not in the. It's, it's maybe it's a little bit about uh, Kiwis or, you know, we're from New Zealand and right, you know. So and that's why we you know, we've used the word, uh, the Kiwis as a bird, which uh, is a native bird in New Zealand. Uh huh. And and in the last decade or so, it's interesting. New Zealanders are trying to get their sense of identity, and for whatever reasons, we've taken this bird as our sort of national focus so we start we talk about ourselves as kiwis now oh, so we're right. little flightless yeah but we're, they're really good in the garden because they go around and eat insects and bugs that you don't want right of course yeah so we're we're kiwi gardeners now from new zealand nice and that's part of the story and gardening in new zealand it's like yeah yeah that was the theme of the thing and i think what we've in this discussion the basic point is that gardening is something that you do everywhere we all do it, and so long as you get the understanding right between each place is unique, mm -hmm. but the mm. principles, the foundations are the same. Yeah. But the trouble is that the principles have got so confused in this incredible diffusion of experiences of what worked for people. People find it difficult to separate out something that worked, which is then they follow a recipe. I, I do right. ABC. Uh -huh. So that, that's what I call recipe gardening. Well, right. sometimes that works. And sometimes it works. But my guesstimate is about half the time, mm, uh -huh. if you're lucky. All right? So if you want to be successful and more than half the time, then you actually have to look at it differently, which is you have to see, I can learn from what that person did, not by their recipe, but why they did it. Yeah. And then I can apply that. So learn the principles behind the practice. Yeah. That gives you your best chance of success. Yeah. That's why I tell people that, you know, growing food in the desert where we live here in the low desert of the, you know, southwest U.S., it's different than growing most every place else. And it's easy to grow food here. You just need to know the rules. Correct. You know? Yeah. The, the rules, the, what we do. So that's what we have to get to people is if you learn the, the, like the principles, the rules, what, what's behind it. Right. Then you become a gardener. And that's the key to, uh, to success. <laughs> nice. Okay. Nice, nice. And, yeah, and it's fun to talk about the difference because, uh, you know, I can talk about the practicalities because here we are in, a, in an island in an ocean. It's, we're in a maritime climate. Mm -hmm. We actually can have no rain or heaps of rain. We can have weather systems from the tropics or we can have weather systems from Antarctica. Oh, right. Like you just so, got blasted today. Yeah, from the tropics. And in another week, we could be blasted from the Arctic and the Antarctic. So... Yeah, this is the, a dynamic life. You actually have a stability, you know, in your environment that we don't have. So yeah. you actually have a so yeah, people yeah, yeah being I in totally the desert. yeah, you are just in the desert. Yeah. So we can take each of our situations, and yet the basic ways we're thinking about this are all the same. So yeah. focus on that, learn. Yeah. You know, so I'm able to help and people wherever they are because. That's the thing, so long as you take that key point of looking at what there's reality. So I'd love a, to learn a bit more about, uh, you know, desert gardening at some point, add it to my <laughs> repertoire. So what drives you? At this stage in life? At this stage in life, what drives you? Uh, you, you I'm going to sound a bit like a broken record, Greg, but it's not one thing. Uh-huh. That's okay. You I know what? Here's the thing. What we're getting here is permaculture answers, which is beautiful. <laughs> so I've been living and breathing these things for a very long time. Yeah, 
Maybe I got that. Okay. So, yeah, so I'm not going to get caught out by the one answer because there isn't one. But I, there are a number of things that are driving me. One, uh, I've now been involved in gardening for 50 years, one way or another. And that's from right. uh, very large scale commercial down to, and I'll just say three years ago, I'd never, ever grown a vegetable in a pot. Oh, wow. And when I started looking around the world and I started to see this and realizing that we don't have the agricultural land to feed everyone. We, I totally, you know, the urban farmer, I love it because it's reorientating the fact that you can be a farmer, a grower in the urban environment. Yeah. And so I, for myself, said, okay, I'm going to learn how to grow a plant in a pot. And so I've now got three years' experience. So mm. it's interesting to see how far you can make. But again, I, it was the focus was could I actually get nutrition in the vegetables I grew in a pot? all the trees okay and that's a big challenge oh yeah and i think we have some answers but it's an ongoing experiment so yeah so the thing about what drives me well there's always something to learn new tomorrow i don't like the trouble is every time you learn something in the deep i've been going into theoretical science over the last six years mm -hmm. and i've been getting theoretical answers the more i'm realizing that there's decades of work and practical application to do it because yeah so there's what's driving me partly is my i'm always wanting to learn yeah i heard that i never that, that was the thread that i heard there okay yeah now there are other parts to it the other is that i kind of feel as if i'm in a privileged position and that i had something that i don't see many young people today having which was that link with that old continuity of gardening yeah. and it actually came from my grandfather to me and I am passing it on to my own children. Good. And in fact, that's another thing that's driving me now because I turned out, uh, my life took me on a journey where I never had children until I was in my 40s. Wow. So, in fact, I'm still having children. So I actually have a, a young family at the moment. Uh-huh. And so, yeah, it's working with, with children is a, is a big part of what I'm wanting to do and young people and, yeah, giving them a, a connection yeah. to that. So. So that's nice. what's driving me, so, is working. Yep. So I loved what you said about gardening being an ongoing experiment. And I like to overlay that on our conversation about life. Because if you're really engaging in life on a day-by-day -day basis, life is an ongoing experiment as well. Well, I would hope so. Yeah. Well, for some people it's not, but I think for, yeah. I think for our listeners out there that are, you know, experimenting and gardening and and, you know, being as naturally productive as possible in their garden, I think that it, you know, it does become an experiment. Yeah. And that's the thing. If we can really just encourage people, you know, I've been gardening for 50 years. I'm still experimenting. I still have failures. Yeah. So don't get disappointed. Take it in, in the thing. You have lots uh -huh. of successes as well. Right. You know, but work with it all. And, yeah, it's just, yeah. Yeah. Take what you can, and and the thing about is doing the best you can in your circumstances, your situation. Mm -hmm. Because so often people have this idealistic expectation of what they can do. Yep. They see the pictures on the screen, or they they see your garden, or you know they can see some of the gardens that that we've been putting together, which we're we're now going to be sharing with people. But I always say, hey, you know, that's what we're able to do. But yeah, you just do what you can, because even if you just grow a you know one lettuce, all right. One yeah. tomato plant, that's important, and it's something. If that's all that yeah. you can do, and you'll do it. So, yeah, it, it's nice to be able to do more, but just do what you can. 
and just see it as the ongoing journey of life, the, the ongoing journey of being a gardener. I hesitate to ask this next question because I have a sense that you could go on for days about a book or about <laughs> books in general. So uh, here, here's my next question for you. I'm all about education and I have to know, is there one or two books that have been influential for you in this process in your life? Greg, the answer is there's dozens. Of, of books course, have... of course. Just like with me, there's dozens. But I, need, I, I, but I need one or two, Colin. Yeah, I know you do. But if I give you one or two, that's going to send people down a certain track. Yeah. And they're not necessarily going to get the whole picture. So it's very, very difficult. So I'm uh -huh. going to give you a book that's out of print. Oh, all right. Cool. We can probably find it on Amazon. Yeah. See if it's, it'll be there in the secondhand world. Yeah. All right. And it's called Practical Organic Gardening mm -hmm. by Ben Easy. Ben Easy? Yeah, B-E-N-E-A-S-E-Y. Mm-hmm. Now, this book was written in 1955. Wow. In, in England, but why, this is quite late, this is quite an old, you know, modern book from my point of view. Right. But the reason that I, that I find it so fascinating is that Ben Easy worked with a, a gentleman called, his name was uh, Mr. Howitt, who's considered the, one of the, uh, founders of, of organics. Uh-huh. Have you... Uh, 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 he was even a sir. He was a, an Englishman. Okay. And this is a book that he wrote based on his that work because it, there isn't a lot of written work from his work. So mm -hmm. this is someone who talked about it. And I love it because there's things... This is a classic case of things that they're talking, taking for granted. And I find people don't even aware of it or they're just discovering it. But again, it's still only part of the story because... I've incorporated this with a whole group of other, other work I'm doing. And I recently ran a, a trial where I followed their exact recipe, you could say, of how to make a compost heap. Right. And alongside it, I did uh, what I call the Kiwi Gardener's recipe, which is an evolving compost. I don't think they'll ever be two the same. Mm -hmm. And compared them. And I, I saw that some things that, were really working well, and, I've, and I'm actually going to add them and incorporate it into the Kiwi Gardener's compost. Uh -huh. But other things didn't quite work in our situation. Mm -hmm. So again, you can read his. Th so again, you can't just take the book. You have to understand the context of what, where he's writing, what he's doing, and his, his the ecology that he's working in. Yeah. All right. So I did. A book could be. I did, by the way, find it on Amazon. Starting at a right. dollar eighteen, they have right. copies starting at a dollar eighteen, uh, and yep. it was reprinted in nineteen seventy six. By the way, okay, great. So yeah, so and again, this came off a bookshelf of a friend of mine's son who didn't even know what it was, but they sort of know that I'm we're interested in old books, uh, and it turned out to be his flatmate's grandfather's book. Oh, nice. All right, and yeah, you know, who hadn't actually, you know, and the grandfather had left it, and this, and so yeah, we we tracked down even where it had come from. Yeah. Anyway, so there's there's a book, but again, it's any book. You need to look at it from the perspective of where was this person gardening? What were they doing? What was the context? Right. Therefore, we can take from it that which we can use ourselves, and just don't take it all for granted. <laughs> and you see, and you then know, experiment. Yeah. Work it with it again, and you know, that's if, if you're doing that, then you're on on the way to being a gardener. Because yeah, yeah you've 
you've got to be able to discriminate from discern from all that information out there what's relevant to you yeah all right and that's why if you go back to a set of first principles it makes it a lot easier yeah perfect so what one final piece of advice do you have for our listeners just garden yeah. do it mm-hmm. okay we live in a world where the food that we can purchase that whole system of being grown by others and available at, at your thing off the shelf, it has failed. Yeah. So if anyone who's prepared to, and as I say, I don't mind if it's one sprout or anything, just begin that journey. Yeah. And if you've already got a gardening going, just look at how you can do it better. And if you really want to get nutrition into your food, then you need to go deeper because there are a lot of techniques that will keep it organic, keep it natural, but they won't actually assist with the process of making sure that it is there. And I'm going to introduce a, a slightly different word to you here. I'm actually calling it nutrient rich. I understand nutrient dense yep. and it's a coin that was phrased in the 1930s. Mm-hmm. And that, but there are various people have picked up onto it and it's been given a slightly different context in today's world. So I'm just, and to me, it's about richness of life, richness of food. This is true wealth. Yeah. So I'm really, I'm really happy to talk about nutrient-rich food. And then I don't have to worry about misconceptions, and it gives me a, a chance. And there are a few other people out there who have started to use it as well. This world, you know, with so much things moving around, you can't be original on anything anymore. Right. So if people actually, and it's a sincere concern for I just about say every one of your gardeners out there, uh-huh. they will be concerned about the nutrition that they are getting in their food. Yeah. And I understand it's you know there's just there's so much confusion, so much information, so many people out there. And of course, people will say, "Oh, look, here's just one more who's saying he's got the answers." All right. So I want everyone to question me or what I'm saying. Don't take it for granted. Yes. Okay. Because I put myself to the same test that I put everyone else to. That's the second time we've heard that this week in a podcast recording where people are saying, learn and question everything. But you've got to have a foundation to do that from. Yeah. So my focus is to become down to helping people. So maybe if I can help people with the foundation, Mm -hmm. that's for the long term. Okay. And it's very easy to help someone with a specific issue. Okay. But as you know, with this, you know, you can, yeah, we, we can sit there and, People, you know, so long as if they if if they prepared to answer the questions, all right. That ask when someone gives you says I have a problem. They need to be able to be open to the fact that they're not going to get an answer until they've actually answered a whole number of questions. Right. Then it depends. Then <laughs> it depends. Okay. And then they'll get an answer that actually is useful to them. Right. Yeah. And if anyone just gives you an off the top, oh, that's what you do. That's the first thing to be. Oh. We have to be very careful. When everyone tells you they've got the answer, yep. All right. Yeah. So I'm not saying I've got the answer, but I have got maybe some tools that people can use to help them themselves get the answer for themselves. Okay. Yeah. So that's in terms of where my, you know, you said what am I trying to achieve now? My mission, whatever. Yeah. That's actually where I've got to is to help others to do it themselves. Beautiful. Beautiful. Okay. Beautiful. Beautiful. Well, thank you so much for joining us on the show and sharing your experience with us today, Colin. It has been a treat getting to chat with you. Yeah, I've enjoyed myself. And yeah, it's a fellow person who obviously, you know, I've been for the last year, I became aware of the urban farmer. And 
yeah, it's good work you're doing, Greg. Thank and you. Keep it up. So how can our listeners get a hold of you? Okay, so we have a website, mm-hmm. and it's called kiwigardeners.com. Perfect. Because we are Kiwis and we're gardeners. Perfect. And in there, that's our contact point for the moment. And if you do have Facebook, you can be reached on that as well. Perfect. So you can find show notes from today's podcast at urbanfarm.org forward slash Kiwi. That's K-I-W-I. And that's it for today. Thanks for joining us on the Urban Farm Podcast. Do you want to save money at the grocery store, eat more organic whole foods, cultivate food security, and feel more connected to the earth? If so, then growing your own food is a no-brainer. You wouldn't believe how many people come to me claiming that they can't grow their own food. They think they don't have enough space, that they're too busy, or that they simply don't have what it takes. Perhaps you've fallen for one of these gardening myths. If you think you can't grow food, or if you think the only food that you have access to is what you buy in the grocery store, I have a life-changing webinar that you need to see. It's free and will help you unearth your inner gardener. I've helped thousands of people just like you learn to grow their own food, and I'm speaking from my own experience when I say that with the right knowledge in place, there is no such thing as a black thumb. With this webinar, you can begin making your garden dreams come true and start growing delicious, nutritious food for your family. Just text GARDEN to 44222 or go to IWantToGarden.com and you will receive our free webinar about the seven key factors you need to know to grow your own food. Remember, that's GARDEN to 44222 or IWantToGarden.com. We hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Urban Farm Podcast. Remember to listen three days a week for tips, advice, and resources to help you on your journey with urban farming. You can find us on the web at urbanfarm.org or send us an email to podcast at urbanfarm.org. In the words of Vincent Van Gogh, great things are done by a series of small things brought together. Be encouraged that with each lesson learned and skill developed, you are one step closer in the direction of your dreams. Hey, Urban Farm Podcast listeners. If you're as passionate about preserving the bounty of each season as we are, hey, I canned my first peaches at the age of 18, and that was a long time ago, then you're going to love what our friends over at Denali Canning have in store for you. They're on a mission to spread the love and knowledge of food preservation, and they're inviting you to join the journey for free. Right now, Denali Canning is offering free canning lids to anyone who wants to dive deeper into the world of food preservation. Yes, you heard that right, absolutely free. It's the perfect opportunity for both seasoned canners and those curious about starting. Denali is about quality, reliability, and supporting the canning community, ensuring that you get the best results every time you preserve. So why not give it a try? Visit DenaliCanning.com forward slash free to claim your free lids and start your preserving adventures today. That's DenaliCanning.com forward slash free.